Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Tuesday, October 8th. I'm Wayne Pratt. Ahead, as the Cardinals prepare for a decisive playoff game in Atlanta tomorrow, many are reflecting on the significant history of St. Louis's pro baseball club. That includes the fact that it was the first Major League Baseball team to be owned by a woman. When she inherited the Cardinals, that would have been in 1911, everyone assumed that she would sell or be a figurehead. But Aileen Robeson Britton surprised everyone by taking an active role during the seven years she owned the Cardinals. I speak with author Joan M. Thomas about Britton. That's coming up in just a few minutes. First, the news. We'll have details on the Cardinals' big win yesterday in just a bit, but first we start with the fight against vaping. The Francis Howell School District is joining that battle against the e-cigarette industry as vaping by teens surges. The St. Charles County School System sued Juul in federal court yesterday, saying the company targets its students and puts their health at risk. Francis Howell says hundreds of students have been caught vaping, Two Kansas City area school districts also sued Jewel this month under the same law firm. State health officials say at least one person in Missouri has died from e-cigarette-related illnesses and 18 others have been sickened. In statements responding to the lawsuits, Jewel, the e-cigarette manufacturer, says it has never marketed its products to youth. One anti-abortion group says it may take legal action against a soon-to-be-open abortion clinic. Planned Parenthood is opening an 18,000-square-foot clinic in Fairview Heights. Andrew Bath is with the Thomas More Society. The group sued the Planned Parenthood Clinic in Aurora in Illinois when it opened its doors. Now that they're planting these mega clinics uh, just outside the border of pro-life states, they're turning the state of Illinois into an abortion tourism destination state which we think is abhorrent. A Planned Parenthood representative says access to safe abortions is important, especially for women who live in states like Missouri where abortion laws are restrictive. The new clinic, which is set to open in the Metro East this month, will provide surgical and medication abortions. Missouri health officials are urging residents to get a flu shot before this season is in full swing. Here's St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Phantom. Last year's season was relatively mild compared with years before, but watchdogs say the flu is already putting some at risk. Michelle Jen is an assistant professor of pharmacy practice at St. Louis College of Pharmacy. She says the best predictor of this year's flu season is what's happening in the southern hemisphere. Australia's season comes a few months before the United States. She says it offers clues about which strains of the virus will be prevalent this winter. It started a bit earlier than what we normally see, and it was... um pretty severe. So we're anticipating that it might be a difficult flu season. Jen says those with health insurance can usually get the vaccine at any pharmacy or clinic for no cost. Uninsured people can visit several hospitals around the region to get a free shot. I'm Sarah Fenton, St. Louis Public Radio. Cardinals fans are still celebrating following yesterday's 5-4 victory over the Braves in 10 innings. That result forces a decisive fifth game in the playoff series, which will be tomorrow in Atlanta. St. Louis resident Michelle Wilson says the intensity of Bush Stadium fans in the late innings yesterday was not a surprise. That's the way we Cardinals fans are. You know, we just, we stand, we cheer, 
We don't give up. Wilson attended the game with her husband, Scott, who was equally excited about the win, and he credits his wife with turning him into a baseball fan. This is fabulous. i got to be honest, I don't have a lot of frame of reference. I fell in love with her in 2008, and then I fell in love with the Cardinals in that order. A big Cardinals playoff win attended by a couple with a Cardinals love story. If you enjoy listening to The Gateway every day, let the world know. Write a review or write us wherever you get the podcast. And thanks. St. Louis's new professional sports team, a major league soccer franchise, has a majority women ownership group. It follows a line of female sports ownership in St. Louis. Of course, many fans may recall the Rams were owned by Georgia Frontier for much of the NFL team's time in the city. But they might not know that St. Louis was home to the first female owner, in Major League Baseball history. Author Joan M. Thomas has written Baseball's First Lady, Aileen Hathaway Robeson Britton, and the St. Louis Cardinals. Thomas tells me that while working on another book, she discovered that a woman had owned the St. Louis baseball team. I was surprised that I had never heard that before. I started checking into it, and I began to realize, I thought, wait a minute, she may have been the first woman to own a Major League baseball team, and she was. When she inherited the Cardinals, that would have been in 1911, everyone assumed that she would sell or be a figurehead. Her uncle owned the Cardinals and the ballpark where they played at the time. In his will, her mother got 25% of everything he had, and she got 75%. Why do you think she did not sell? She felt it was her obligation And she was a baseball fan. Her father was a streetcar magnet in Cleveland, and he originally owned a team called the Spiders. She was actually the club mascot when she was like eight, nine years old. She would travel, go on road trips with her father and her uncle. Uh, But she was quite sophisticated, very much into fashion. She loved uh, music and dancing and She was very ladylike, but she loved baseball, and when she inherited the club, she looked forward to being a club owner. I'm curious about how other owners in the league responded to her. From what I can determine, they treated her with respect. They may not have been real happy about the fact that a woman was attending the owners' meetings, but from what I can determine, there was, there was never any real animosity between her and the other owners. They pressured her to sell a number of times. In fact, at one point, apparently somebody did make her an offer, and she didn't feel like it was good enough, and she turned them down. And <laughs> there was an article in, I forget which newspaper it was in, the headline said, Never Tell a Woman She Must must because they told her she must sell for the good of baseball so she didn't do it so i guess they attributed that to a woman you you shouldn't tell her that she can't do something (laughs) eventually she was forced to sell yeah mainly it was a financial issue she said many years later that she always kind of regretted selling because she wanted to pass the team on to uh, her son, but of course that didn't happen. But she was just about broke at the time. She finally had to sell to a, a group of stockholders. Was she considered a good owner? I would say that she was. She had a lot of backlash, although nobody was ever really hostile to her. They treated her with respect from what I can see. I think she was doing her best to have the Cardinals win a pennant. 
the Cardinals were starting to look good at one point in 1915. They brought on a rookie by the name of Rogers Hornsby, who now is in the Hall of Fame, probably one of the best ball players that ever lived. The following year in 1916, everybody wanted to make a deal with the Cardinals for Hornsby. At that time, she was in dire straits. She really needed the money, and it, she could have made more money if she would have traded Hornsby, but she refused to trade him. So I feel like she probably was as good a owner as she could be. She said she re- would rely on the managers and the scouts for her best advice. So she was no different than any other major league owner. What did she do after baseball? She left St. Louis, and she remarried, and she lived in New York for quite a long time, and she outlived both of her husbands, and she died in 1950. Where do you see her place in baseball history? You know, I've pondered that quite a bit. First of all, it's important that she was the first woman to own a major league club, took on the task of being an active owner. Some people believe she should be in the Hall of Fame. I've never pushed on that, but I would love to see that happen. That's author Joan M. Thomas speaking about former Cardinals owner Aileen Hathaway Robeson Britton, the first female owner in Major League Baseball history. Our Maria Altman edited that report. A big thanks to her. We got into a time crunch yesterday. Maria bailed me out. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. Follow me on Twitter, at Wayne Radio. I'm Wayne Pratt, and from the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.